The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Yep, fought the law indeed. Employment Law Show, John Scholes here along with co-host, employment lawyer, and founding partner of Samfiru Tamarkin LLP, Lior Samfiru, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can check that out. Any questions about your employment rights here today or any other day for that matter, but specifically over the next 48 minutes or so, this is the show for you. You've been terminated, you've been laid off, you've been wrongfully dismissed, harassed at work, experienced changes to your job, human rights issues, COVID issues, vaccine issues, heading back to work, temporary layoffs, everything. It's a huge menu. So if you have questions about severance as well, reaching out through email, which we'll try to get to later on this evening, is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But the topic is all about medical leaves, so we'll get to that. So we're ready to go on a Wednesday night. In the meantime, week that was. How are you, pal? Hey, John. Uh, it's been uh, a while since I've been here on our flagship uh, Wednesday oh, yeah. Eve show. So glad to be back. Glad to be talking about employment law, workplace rights, and hopefully help solve some problems. You know, this is really about making you understand what your rights are, making you know what you can do about your legal issues, and hopefully having you feel better about your situation. And that's what I'm going to try to do over the course of this show if you have any issues, if you have any questions, problems, ultimatums that you're facing, your job is in jeopardy. Your job is not what it used to be. Whatever the issue is, I'll give you some thoughts. I'll give you my 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 uh, analysis of your situation and, of course, tell you what you need to know. Don't be bashful. This is that opportunity for you. And, of course, you can call me if you want after the show. You can email me after the show. We can have that private discussion specifically about what's going on in uh, in your workplace and we'll give you that contact information throughout the show. But week that was, I always like to start with a couple situations that came across my desk. Well, John, I mean, I, I can't do a week that was without talking about the most common issue that I've been seeing over the past number of, of weeks, really a couple of months, and that is vaccines. Yeah. And I've been getting en masse calls, emails from individuals telling me that their boss or their employer is demanding that they be vaccinated, is threatening them if they don't get vaccinated, is asking all kinds of personal questions about whether they've been vaccinated, why, why not. Uh, and I, I've literally been answering these types of questions nonstop, seems daily now. So I wanted to start there. And let me make this very, very clear. Right now, as things stand, our government here in Ontario has decided that workplaces are safe even if they have not been vaccinated, even if everyone has not been vaccinated, so long, of course, as the workplaces take the necessary measures with respect to social distancing and masking, etc., they're safe. And because they're safe, again, this is not me saying that, that's our government saying, an employer cannot actually require a vaccine. That could potentially be a human rights violation, uh, it could be a wrongful dismissal if you're let go because you have not been vaccinated. So as things stand right now, you cannot be forced to be vaccinated. Listen, I, I personally am a big believer in the vaccines, but regardless of what I think about that, from a legal standpoint, an employer cannot require you 
to be vaccinated. Now, if at some point the government changes its uh, uh, analysis and says, well, no, uh, right now we have to be vaccinated or the workplace is not safe unless people are vaccinated, then yes, an employer can at that point say, well, we have to comply with what the government says, so we're going to make you be vaccinated. You, you have to be vaccinated to come in. Until that happens, that is the rule. So if you are facing a situation where you're feeling the pressure, if you're feeling threatened, uh, if something happened to your job because you did not get vaccinated or did not even want to tell your employer about your vaccine status, let's talk. Let's have a chat about that. Let's talk about your options. Let's talk about what you can do about that. You have rights, you have options. Now, this may be a bit different if you're in healthcare, uh, elderly care, an employer may have more flexibility there to require vaccines. But in other workplaces, no, as things stand today. So certainly feel free to reach out to me if you're facing those types of issues. Afterwards, as Lior mentioned, reach out, have a uh, further conversation with a member of his team, one 821 5900 What else you got going on? So I oftentimes get people call or email me with questions, legitimate, interesting, important questions, but what they don't realize is there's a much bigger issue or much bigger question that they should be asking me. And I had a, a call like that uh, yesterday that was a prime example, or I should say an email. A lady contacted me because she was let go, unfortunately, from her job. She was offered what she told me was $10,000, and she was asked to sign a release. And her question really was, what does this release mean? What does it do? Is it a problem if I sign this release document? Uh, you know, or is it a standard document? And I said, well, wait a second. Let's not put the cart before the horse. The first question, of course, is the $10,000. It's a question of whether or not you're actually owed 10000 or more or, or maybe less. So here's some information about her. She is 52 years old. She'd worked for her employer for 11 years. She made $75,000. John, she was owed not $10,000. She was owed 12 months pay. That's about $75,000. That's what the law provides for her. 12 months, $75,000. She was not concerned about the 10,000 when she initially contacted me. She thought that it's probably fine. She wanted to make sure that the release document is fine. Well, she had quite a bit of a surprise when I told her 75,000 is what she owed. And now I'm involved to help her get that 75,000 and she will absolutely get it. I wanted to remind people here, please don't ever assume, ever, that the amount that you've been offered is appropriate if you lost your job. Even if you're working for a good employer, even if you're working for an honest employer, uh, like most employers, no, it doesn't mean that what they've offered you is appropriate. In many cases, the employer itself does not understand or appreciate how much they have to pay you. It's your job to make sure that you're offered the appropriate amount. Once you sign that release document, you can't go back, you can't change your mind, you can't say, oops, I didn't mean to. So for her, the fact that she contacted me about another issue means she's owed another $65,000. Please don't make a mistake. If you have a situation where you lost your job before you do anything, reach out, call, email, let's have that chat. You know, you say, you know, you, you never assume that it's it's the right amount owed. You, the opposite is, is also true. You can probably assume that it's not, right? I think that's a fair, fair assumption because the numbers verify that. Listen, I've been doing right. this for now 20 years, and I can tell you thousands and thousands of severance letters, severance offers reviewed. 
the numbers are this 90% of the time and I'm being conservative it's probably even higher than that but let's say 90% of the time whatever you've been offered is a heck of a lot less than what you're actually owed so it is fair to assume in fact it's probably necessary to assume that that offer is not adequate and you will not sign and cannot sign until you verify that for sure that's why we, we tell you about calling me that's why we also tell you about the pocket employment lawyer .ca tool that has our severance calculator so you have options you have rights and you have easy and accessible ways to uh, enforce those rights if you have questions about uh, COVID-19 the vaccination being told to vaccinate or you can't come back to work or anything like we opened the show with or any other employment law matters uh, for that matter one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But in between all that, all about medical leaves. Again, this kind of dovetails nicely into the last year and a half with COVID nineteen. I want to get to that topic for sure and, and get to some broad strokes. But as always, the uh, the calls are always always top priority in that regard. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. How are you? Good. Yourself? Great, sir. What's uh, what's cooking with you? Um. So I I have a question in regard. So as, as you're aware, the casino have been closed since uh, last March and they're slowly starting to reopen um, and they're bringing back um, uh, management especially um, very slowly and they're opening up only a limited amount of people allowed to come in because of uh, capacity levels. Um, so I was wondering when, uh, what time frame do we have before we're considered um, no longer employed by the casino? So are you in a unionized position, Mark, or non-union? Non-union, management. Oh, management, got it. So so the reality is once they're able to open, which is now, I mean, they, they've been forced to be closed for a very long time, you know, probably one of the, the, the worst hit industries in terms of the, uh, the impact of COVID-19. Uh, so once they're able to open, which is now, if they don't call you back now, you have the right to treat that as a termination. So there's no set time that you have to wait. You can choose now, if you want, to say by not calling me back, even though you're open. You know, I'm not saying that you're picking on me. I'm not saying you're a bad employer. But by not calling me back, that's a termination of my employment. That's a constructive dismissal. Therefore, you owe me, you owe me severance. So you can do but that even, right now. You can absolutely do that now. But even know that, so for instance, let's say they can only open up in table games a certain certain amount of table games and they can't bring back all the managers and they're saying that's due to uh, government restriction no the, once they're able to open the fact that they may not be able to open in the same way exactly as they were before uh no absolutely they, they still have to call you back that is or they don't have to call you back but by not calling you back it gives you the right to treat that as a termination if you'd like to do that you can do that the other thing you can do is wait a little bit and see what happens. Maybe they do call you back. So the choice is yours. The nice thing is the power is in your hands to make that call. Well, excellent. Thank you for uh, answering uh, my uh, my questions. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the industry are glad to hear someone answer uh, that question for them. No problem.
Thank you, Mark. Appreciate your time as well for a further conversation with Lior or a member of his team. You uh, you know how to do that. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 Steve, stand by. We'll get to you. And you want to contact Lior and his team confidentially, by the way. Just gave out that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And employmentlawyer.ca, the website, help at employmentlawyer.ca. They've helped tens of thousands of Canadians just like you get through the swamp of employment law, so give them a call. We'll continue. Lots more of the Employment Law Show is underway. And we'll continue here on a Wednesday night, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And you bet it is a 722. John Scholes here along with employment lawyer, founding partner, Lior Sanfiru, the Wednesday night main show at uh, Sanfiru to Mark and LLP. You want to reach out to Lior anytime, 1-855-821-5900. The most positively reviewed employment law firm across this country. Anytime, employmentlawyer.ca to catch uh, elements and episodes of our TV show, which kicks in like season six or seven, I think, coming up in the fall. So we're looking forward to that. But as always, we go back to the phones. Top priority. Steve, you're the guy right up. Thanks for hanging on. How are you? Uh, no problem. No problem. Thanks for taking my call. Beauty, what's up? Uh, I, I have a question. Um, I work for a casino and we've been called back, of course. Um, I was a full-time employee when we got shut down for COVID and I've been called back, but only part-time. Is that allowable or is it simply because of COVID restrictions? That's all I need to know. Sure. Uh, And is this a union position or non-union? It is a union position. Okay. So in terms of whether it's allowed and if it's allowed for how long, the only one that can answer that is the union, and because the answer is somewhere in the collective agreement. So not, not only is the union the only one that can answer it, to the extent that what they're doing is wrong, your employer, the only one that can do something about that is the union. So without having the collective agreement or without seeing other agreements that the union and the casino may have had, I, I can't answer that. It has to be the union. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, thank you for your time, Steve. Really appreciate it. Ken, you're up. Thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hi there. Um, I'm calling in regards to my father. Um, he went on long-term disability in 2008, and he got a. And they continued to pay his benefits um, up until they called him about a week ago and said that they just realized that they're still paying out his benefits and that they had to review it and and that he might be cut off. Now, he turned 65 in 13 months. Can they cut him off now? So is it fair to say that he's not going to be able to go back and he's not going back there? No, no. He's been off for 12, 13 years now. So. Right. And how long, yeah. when did he start working there approximately? How many years? Um, he started in about 94, 95. So I guess he would have been 13, 14 years before he went off. 
Okay, got it. And last question, uh, big company or small company? Um, a medium-sized company. So, Okay, got it. So here's the thing. Yeah. Can they cut him off? Yes, they can. But that becomes a termination of his employment. It's what we call a frustration of contract. His employment is terminated. He's, By the way, believe it or not, even though he's been gone for 13 years, because they've kept that, yeah. uh, his benefits going, he's still an employee. So now... Yeah. By doing that, the employment comes to an end, and they have to pay him the equivalent if, if he's been there for, let's say, what, that's 27 years. So it will be, thir- uh, yeah. in his case, 34 weeks pay they'd have to pay him, okay? Uh, that's what pay, okay. 34 weeks pay they'd have to pay him. So they can cut him off. Nothing can be done about that, but they absolutely have to pay him yeah. 34 weeks based on what he was earning at the time he went off back in '08. So uh, they yeah. probably don't realize that, but the good news is one letter from me or one of my colleagues gets him that uh, 34 weeks pay. So not much we can do about yeah. keeping his benefits, but we can absolutely yeah. get him that 34 weeks pay. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, Thanks, no Ken. I appreciate that. You're going to want to reach out, obviously, now, especially now. Here's how uh, here's how you do it, one 821 5900 to speak to Lior, a member of his uh, very capable team for a more lengthy and personal conversation. And, of course, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email route as well. But here and now, Paul, thank you. You're, uh, you're up next. Shoot. Hello, how's everybody doing? We are good, my brother. What's going on with you? Excellent. I just want to hear the gospel according to Lior. I call many times, guys, who have lots of questions. So here's one for you. Non-unionized position, my company, stat holiday pay. So Christmas Day, uh, New Year's Day, Easter, right? What are the laws in regards to that? Is it automatic eight hours for the holiday, or can they pay you your stat holiday pay based on the hours you worked the week before. So what you do is you add up your your uh, wages and, and vacation pay for the four weeks before the week with the holiday in it, and you divide that by 20. So it's, it's, it's a mathematical calculation. So if the holiday is this week, we forget about this week, we look at, uh, uh, at, at the, uh, the four weeks before, and whatever the total is, if you earned, I don't know, $10,000, I don't know, whatever it is in that four-weeks period, divide that by 20, that's how much they have to pay you for statutory holiday. Oh, really? That's exactly oh, how that it works, yes. Good. Here's what happened Here's what happened to me. In the wintertime, we go on what's called a standby for the winter months for snow yep. removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Day, uh, the holiday for Christmas Day, I was paid two and a half hours for Christmas Day. Okay. And that's um, it. And that's it. So I didn't physically work any hours prior to Christmas Day because there wasn't any snow, but I was still on the company books and receiving what they call a standby pay without collecting right. any any uh, unemployment or anything, just getting the company standby pay. And it was just two and a half hours for Christmas Day. So again, the math is, is is the math. Whatever that comes to is that again four weeks before, add it up, divide by twenty, and whatever that comes to. If you've been underpaid, you absolutely can ask for it. If they won't pay it, you can go to the Ministry of Labor for that. Not an issue. So you know, I'm sure you can find out exactly what those numbers are and, and calculate it to the penny. So 
I just want to get straight. In the beginning, you said it was your 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 wages the uh, the four weeks before plus your holiday pay, plus your vacation pay. Exactly. Yeah. Plus your vacation pay. So my vacation pay is paid out weekly. So Perfect. and then and then multiply that by what again? So divide the the four weeks oh. before and uh, add it up, and then divide by twenty. Okay, perfect. I will do that. Thanks for your time, guys. All the best. No problem. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate uh, your time as well. I love when math comes into the Employment Law Show. That's when I just get lost. Thank God you're here. Gospel indeed, buddy. Once there's math, yeah, there's a reason I went to law school. I didn't want to do math, so uh, yeah. 100%. Exactly. You know, to uh, to Kent's point, our previous caller mentioning the 13, uh, 13 years that his pop was still on um, – Still uh, getting benefits. Is that is that a common misstep with some employers that they don't realize that they have people on the books? I know you have that classic story of someone who was on for <laughs> decades, but I mean, does that happen quite often? And it can, it can, I guess it can be costly when it comes right down to it as far as a legal matter is concerned, right? Well, sure it is. First of all, this employer could have uh, you know cut him off, for lack of a better term, much sooner. You know, usually if, if it's been a couple of years and it's clear the person's not coming back, uh, it's a frustration of contract, you can cut them off at that point. So number one, uh, because they didn't cut them off, they continued paying benefits for another 10 years or so, so that's money there. But because now he's accrued another 10 years or so of service, the severance they have to pay him is higher than if they had done it 10 years sooner. So uh, because of that, yeah, it's, it's quite costly. And yeah, it, it certainly does happen when someone goes off on a disability. They've been gone for a while. Company is busy doing their thing. And they just kind of forget about that person. It's an automatic thing. They have their benefit coverage. They don't really think about that. They don't, it's not prominent in their mind. But the fact that you've been gone for a while, and this is the important lesson here, you may have been off work for medical reasons for years, and you don't even think that you're you have any connection with that employer. Legally, potentially, you may still be considered an employee unless you've been formally terminated, even if you've been gone five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, and, and you're right, I did have that situation where my employer client uh, had an employee for 25 years or so. Uh, they, they were, she worked for six months, and after that went off 25 years later, she, she contacts them. So, you know, that stuff can happen. Obviously, 25 years is extreme, but we just heard from our previous scholar where his father for about 13 years has been uh, essentially forgotten. Uh, so if you have not been terminated and you have been, you've been gone out from work for a, for a while, you may have certain rights, absolutely. So let's break into this while we got some time. Uh, again, it, it, it weighs heavily onto what's been going on for the last year and a half with COVID-19, people going or maybe not going back to work. If someone has to be away from work uh, for medical reasons, what do they need to do? Well, you know, the, the most important thing, your, your, your best friend, if you will, in the unfortunate situation where you do have a medical issue, is your doctor and that doctor's note. So you ask me what you have to do to go off on a leave. Well, you have to, first of all, obviously have a legitimate medical issue, but as important as you have to have that medical issue corroborated by a doctor and you have to be able to provide that doctor's note to your employer. If the doctor says that you cannot work, that means you're allowed to go on a medical leave. That means you're allowed to be off work really as long as needed to get better. So it starts with that doctor's note. It potentially ends with that doctor's note. So you you can't necessarily insist on a medical leave. It's not about taking your word for it. You have to have that doctor's note. So I got the notes, and now it's uh, it's been cleared. I'm off for a week, couple of weeks, month, 
two months, three months. We're getting to four well, months. How you know, long can that last? Right here, we we turn around and and go back to our good friend, the doctor, because yeah. really the doctor decides that as well. You you can be off as long as you need to, uh, as long as you need to, frankly, to get better. As long as that's supported by your doctor. Some people maybe can be off for a couple of days. They're feeling better. They got their treatment. They're back to work like nothing happened. Other people have more serious conditions. They have to be off weeks, months, even years potentially. As long as it's a legitimate medical issue, as long as the doctor supports you, and as long as the doctor provides that note saying you need to be off work, you can be off work. And there's no limit on that. It's not a situation where, okay, well, you've been gone a month. Goodbye. No. You cannot be let go because of that. So as long as the doctor supports you, you can be off. There's no time limit. What happens to the employee's job? Because a lot of cases, you know, it may be a lengthy uh, time away from work, but they're hoping to come back. But by the same token, the employer's like, I got to fill a position. I got a business to run. So what happens to their gig? Absolutely. So here's how this works. If you're off on a medical leave, on you know, let's say a lengthy medical leave, uh, you remain an employee. You're still an employee of the company. But the fact you're an employee doesn't mean that the the employer has to keep the position un- understaffed or unstaffed. They are, as you said, allowed to run their business. So an employer is allowed to hire someone to fill that position if they need to. You know, if you're going to be gone for a, y- a year, as an example, your employer is not expected to not have someone do the job for a year. So your employer can hire someone, but that does not mean that just because they hired someone into what was your role, that you're gone, you're not, you don't have a job. What happens is when you're ready to come back to work, whether it's a month later, a year later, whatever that is, when you're ready to come back to work, your employer has to make all efforts to take you back, either to the same role or to a similar role. They have to look if that job doesn't exist exactly. They have to see if there's another role available for you, if there's something else that they can do. If and only if they've tried that and there's nothing legitimately, that's when they can consider terminating employment with full severance, of course. So it doesn't mean that uh, you're, you're guaranteed your job. You're not. What you are guaranteed is to be considered and, and for the employer to, to look at all available options to take you back to work. And I've seen many cases, John, where the employer has not done that. They didn't really care. Well, you've been gone too long. We don't really want to even talk to you. No. That could be a human rights violation. Uh, That could be a wrongful dismissal. You name it. They have to look at at all options, but that does not necessarily mean that your job is guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point you make with bringing back to the same job or similar one because I'm sure it's it's been done before. You've probably come across this where an employer's had to fill a duty, had to run their business, so they hire someone in the interim. And this person they bring in is an absolute rock star, and they don't want to get rid of them. They're better than the person that's on leave. I mean, it's kind of a rock and a hard place, right? What do they do in that situation? Well, from the employer's perspective, it's not necessarily that hard because they don't have to let go of the person that they hired. They just have to see if they can find a job to the, for the person that was on leave. Now, that's very different than a maternity leave. Uh. With a maternity leave, your employer has to take you back to your, your old job, even if they have someone in that role that is a rock star. They may have to let them go. It's up to them, but they have to take you back to your exact job, same pay. With the medical leave, no, they don't have to. They just have to try to bring you back to the same or similar job, if at all possible. But they don't actually have to. So in that respect, there is a difference between a medical leave and a maternity leave or parental leave. 
you you do have more protections uh, at least here in Ontario with the parental leave. Oh, it's a it's a t-shirt. It's a it's a mug. It's a bumper sticker. Don't mess with mama. We've been saying that for almost <laughs> nine years on this show, right? Ross, thanks for uh, for standing by for uh, for a minute there. How are you, pal? Not bad, not bad. Beauty, what's on uh, your mind? Okay, uh, I'll just give you a bit of history. Uh, Twenty fourteen, I, I drive a bus uh, for a major transportation company, a, a municipal government uh, company. And I had a bad collision back in 2014 where a pedestrian was struck and killed in front of my bus. So I, I struck the pedestrian. I was uh, cleared of any wrongdoing, but I was suffering from PTSD. And I was off for about six months at the time. Um, my question is, um, if PTSD relapses, I'm having an issue with WSIB. I, I had a relapse about two or three years later. I don't know what triggered it. Just talking about it now is making me emotional <laughs> trying to talk. But... Um, um, if it relapses and I need treatment, um, can I go to the WSIB? Because what they did, what they told me is that there was no specific new event uh, that they could link it to, so I'm not covered. I can't just have a relapse and have to require, you know, re- recurring treatment over the years, which is what PTSD requires sometimes. Um, what what are my chances of getting WSIB coverage or WSIB um, claims approved? Uh, I'm in a union too. I just want to give you that information. Right. So the, the question always is if you know if you've been got back at work and and it's been a few a few years and everything's fine and then all of a sudden you have a, a recurrence of PTSD. The question is, can it be linked to the original situation, the original workplace accident that you had? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and oftentimes WSAB is going to say, well, because it's been so long, we don't know. Maybe it's unrelated. And you know, let's be honest, they're kind of in the business of trying to deny claims if at all possible. But yep. if again, with your doctor's support, and you know, if your doctor feels that really the only way this is happening is because of what happened then, it's not for any other reason. Then yes, WSIB should absolutely approve you and should absolutely pay what they have to pay. Now, if they deny you, there's appeal processes that you can go through. There's uh, the Workplace Safety and Insurance Appeals Tribunal, uh, but yeah, that's gone. how it works. Yeah, that's I've, how it works. I've, it has to be linked. Exactly. And it's not a great process. You know, I, I, it's not one that we generally engage in. We kind of deal with disputes between employers and employees. But to answer your specific situation, as long as it can be linked to that original situation, that original accident, then yes, absolutely, they should pay. Now, is the union, is the union in control of that uh, situation? Like, I know I can't get legal. Usually I can't get my own legal coverage. Uh, no. In the union? No, no. The union is not involved in that. The union deals with in any situation between you and your employer, not between you and, and WSIB. Now, they may uh, agree to help, but, but you can certainly deal with that without the union. The union usually would stay away from it. Okay, doke. Okay. Thanks, Rush. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for your time as well. I want to get through a few more broad strokes about medical leaves in our remaining, uh, remaining few minutes. Now, uh, is it is it a big issue? Does it matter if the employer has or, or doesn't have a disability plan for you to go off on? No, it, it doesn't matter. So what we're talking about is your ability to be off work. Your ability to be off work for medical reasons depends on your doctor and you having a doctor saying you need to be off. Now, where a disability plan comes in, is a question of, are you going to get paid and who's going to pay you? So if you have a disability plan, that means that there's an insurance uh, policy, an insurance uh, uh, company that will pay you while you're off. So that's a good thing and you get paid. 
But even if you don't have that policy or if you don't have that plan, that may mean you're not going to get paid, but you're still allowed to be off. Now, there may be government benefits you qualify for, EI sickness benefits. Uh, potentially, depending on your age, you could qualify for CPP disability benefits. But uh, the, whether or not the employer has a disability plan or does not have a disability plan does not impact your ability to be off work. The only thing that you need to be off work is a doctor saying in writing that you cannot work. Going to drift a little bit into the uh, disability law show with our, our good pal and your partner, Savan, here. But uh, what do you do if you don't get approved for uh, disability or you get cut off? So you're thinking, okay, I have this plan. I've been paying oh. into it all these years, so I, I can't work now. Well, I'm going to apply for this plan. That's what it's there for. And you're right. That's what it's there for. Unfortunately, all too often, you're going to get that rejection letter from the insurance company. Or maybe they approve you, but then they cut you off before your doctor says you're ready to come back to work. Happens often. Shouldn't happen, but it happens often. Now, the reality is that they want you to be off their payroll, so you get us involved. You have us help you. Usually once they know that we're calling them on it, they'll back off. They'll do what they're supposed to. There's, there's an appeal procedure that the insurance company has in-house. Waste of time, absolutely. Give us a call. Let us do what we do. Insurance companies don't really like dealing with us. Our last minute or two before we wrap, yeah, it, it's a question of medical information. What is the employer allowed to know and not allowed to ask for? That's, that is an important question. And, you know, oftentimes you provide that doctor's note, and the doctor's note says uh, you can't work for medical reasons for the next three months. The employer's going to say, well, wait a second. We want to know more. We want to know what your condition is, what treatment you're getting. We want to know what specialist you're seeing. So uh, come back with all that information. No, 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 no. Your employer does not have a right to demand anything to do with your diagnosis. They're not allowed to know what the condition is, what medication you're taking. They're not allowed to know uh, the treatment or the specialist you're seeing. What your employer is allowed to know is your prognosis. In other words, can you work or can you not? How long are you going to be uh, off work? Are there any restrictions? Can you be accommodated? Those are legitimate questions. But you do not have to tell your employer what your condition is, whether it's COVID, whether it's a herniated disc, whether it's depression. You don't have to tell your employer. They can't demand. That's That type of question, John, is offside. And that is just about it for tonight. We are trailing off into uh, to our out-of-time period, but that's okay. you got plenty of time to reach out to, uh, to Lior and his, his team confidentially. Here's how you do that. I'll give you the details. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. We've also been uh, doing a TV show for years and years. Good stuff. 30 minutes. You'll catch it on the weekend wherever you catch uh, uh, employmentlawyer.ca. Rather, that would be the website. And finally, Lior mentioned it a couple times, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website is designed specifically to educate you. Absolutely free and anonymous. And if you've ever wondered what your severance should be, it is rolled into that website, the severance pay calculator as well. We'll catch you on the weekend. Join us once again. Stand by, though, coming right back on point with Alex Pearson here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.